0: Welcome to episode 17 of the Yellow Jacket Experience. I'm your host, Thomas Poole, Director of Athletic Communications here at AIC. This week, we have a trifecta going on for you. We start off with Rusty Stone of Men's Lacrosse. Our next guest will be Kayla Riley of Softball. And rounding things out for National Athletic Trainers Month is Head Athletic Trainer John Colt. Our first guest today is sophomore lacrosse player Rusty Stone. Thank you for joining me, Rusty. Thank you for having me. So this season, we've seen some firsts out of the program, obviously going 2-1 and one to start the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a really big accomplishment considering where the program started uh, a while back and the history of it. Can you talk a little bit about those first two games? I know you guys pa- played number 10, Mercy, first uh in the first game of the season, and then you followed the up with two wins on the road against Post and St. Thomas Aquinas. Can you walk us through a little bit, I guess, of those three games and then your mindset after that third game?
1: Uh, well, with the first game, obviously the, the, the final score outcome was not what we were looking for, but uh, I thought that the for the first half of the game, we played better than I saw us play all of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was the start that we needed to come out with. And then following it up with the win at Post um, was just a confidence booster for us. Uh, we don't have the largest team in terms of depth compared to the other teams in the Indy 10 um, but the, those those two wins are really showed us that regardless of you know maybe our lack of massive amounts of depth, we can still compete with teams in the in division two. Mm-hmm.
0: So in y- the past two games you've had really close games, especially with Dominican College, uh, a 13 eleven game. On the road, a loss, unfortunately, but you're right in that game, uh, and then you guys lost to Caldwell. Talk a little bit about that Dominican uh, game, and I guess the emotions of being in that game uh, and being competitive, and uh, hope. Obviously, you guys were hopefully or hoping to come out with a win.
1: Yeah, so last year uh, we all thought that that was a winnable game for us as well. Um, we we started off slow, um, but. During halftime, you could see it in everybody's eyes. There was a fire that we wanted. We wanted to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and coming out of halftime, we s- we we really turned up the heat. Um, they d- they did manage to match us in the fourth quarter, so we were never able to get that that run that we were looking for mm-hmm. in order to push us ahead
0: on the leaderboards. So then you guys start any ten play this week against Adelphi as you guys host them um, on Saturday at 4 p.m. What are you expecting from another really good Adelphi team?
1: Um, I'm expecting tough play all around you know from from their attack all the way down to their defense um, They're coming off a loss as well at a tight loss to I th- I don't really I don't remember exactly who it is But they just lost their last game and I know that they're want to get back on track with a win And obviously we just lost our last game And so we want to prove that we can compete with a team that's ranked very high in the country in Division 2 mm-hmm.
0: So you know we were talking a little bit before uh, we got on air, but you're serving as a captain as a sophomore uh, that's obviously a huge accomplishment. Uh, I think that speaks a lot to you as a person and uh, what you bring to this team. Can you talk a little bit about why why you think uh, Coach Robbins and the team uh, have put you in that position and I think at the same time what it means to you to be a sophomore and really to be serving that captain role?
1: Um, for them, for the coach didn't have any real say in it. It was the team. the team voted on who they wanted to be captains and I think that um me showing them what I can do on and off the field and the leadership role in, in my, my voice in the huddles and on the field shows them that I could be a leader. Um and it's it's very humbling to be a to be a sophomore and be voted a, a captain on this team that has a lot of a lot of talented players. Um Yeah.
0: And then you have Matt Quinlan and then Eddie Beattie as your captains as well. uh where are you learning from them in terms of Taking from their experiences here at AIC and changing that culture, and what are you hoping to take out of um, studying under them?
1: Um, well, obviously they're they're four-year seniors here, and they've they've had to go through a lot of adversity and a lot of challenges, and uh, they've stuck right through it, and and they've become uh, fantastic players. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one thing that I want to do through my next few years here is I want to show them, show the the new classes that are coming in that. Yes there will be challenges. Yes there will be losses, but that doesn't mean give up. Keep fighting cuz obviously eventually it'll change. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm looking for f- in the team.
0: So then let's switch gears a little bit. I want to get to know you cuz that's really the point of this podcast. Um talk a little bit about how you got started in rug or in sorry, in lacrosse and then all the way through your senior year of high school.
1: So I think I started lacrosse maybe around the 4th grade. I was young, starting in my town playing with my friends. Um and it, I fell in love with it. Uh, I really f- first started, first started it because my older cousin played it, mm-hmm. and I always thought it was a f- it was a amazing sport. Um. And I just I just kept sticking with it, and I, I wanted to keep getting better and keep playing, and all the way up through high school, I started my first two years on JV and eventually became a varsity starter and a varsity captain. Um and I knew that this is if I was g- if I was to play a sport in college, this is the sport I wanted to play because I also played hockey in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but lacrosse was what I
0: wanted to do. I've i had a real passion for playing the sport. So Granby High School uh, is that cr- or Granby Memorial? Excuse me, um, Granby, Connecticut, small little town. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, very small. So what was it like knowing that you were playing at a smaller high school, small town, and going up against some I guess players who have come from some prestigious high schools. Um, I think that
1: what that what that meant is it showed that our town had competitive athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in Class S which is the small class in Connecticut um, and we had to play schools that had bigger rosters, bigger players, kids that were committed to go Division one schools and it just sho- and we, we played with them throughout the entirety of the game if we lost mm-hmm. it was maybe one or two goals and it just showed that we we could compete with anybody that they
0: put us up against. So then you find your way to AIC. Talk a little bit about that recruiting process with Coach Robbins and why you ultimately chose AIC. Um,
1: I played a lot of – I played some summer, summer ball teams, which is just a team we travel to tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was talking to coaches, and one day in my email, I saw an email from Coach Robbins, and he asked uh, if I was interested and if I'd want to come see, and I thought, th- why not? Mm-hmm. Just see, see what the school is all about. Um. And the reason I chose AIC is because it was, it's not too far away from home. Um,
0: it's about 45 minutes, if yeah, I'm not mistaken.
1: Roughly, 45 minutes. Um, and it's not huge, but not too small. That's, that's kind of what I was looking for. I didn't want to go to a school like UConn where it's like a city and it's a half an hour walk to my first class <laughs> at yep. 9 a.m. Um, but it's big enough where every day I'm seeing someone that I haven't seen before mm-hmm. and I can meet new people.
0: So then when you're talking about choosing your school, obviously lacrosse played a factor. What about the academic side of of Um, everything?
1: Well, I knew I wanted to do physical therapy, Mm -hmm. and I saw that this school offered that. Uh, And I researched into it more, and I saw that they had a a fantastic passing rate on the final exam, a fantastic Mm -hmm. graduation rate, and and I've talked to people who have come to this school to do physical therapy, and they said they had a fantastic time, and so far I have to agree with them.
0: So you mentioned you getting your start in lacrosse by ways of a family member, a cousin in your instance. what I did, Was that family member a high-level lacrosse player? Was it someone who you, you were just in the backyard with playing around? Or how did that love really start to grow?
1: Yeah, he, he played a lot of, he played at uh, a prep school up in New Hampshire, because he lives in New Hampshire. He played at a prep school there. Unfortunately, his career was cut short due to concussions. But he had a love for the sport, and mm-hmm. I and I I know now if 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 he could have, he would have continued to play through school if he if he had the opportunity, um, and it was that passion. That I was like, yeah, yeah let me, let, I'll try it out, and I fell in love with it from the minute I picked up the stick, and I haven't looked back.
0: So then you, like I said, sophomore, your attack. Talk a little bit about your mental mindset, how you prepare for a game, um, especially knowing that. In the past, we haven't scored as much, but we're starting to see that uptick in goals per game, and uh, we're also seeing our defense come up. Talk a little bit about how you mentally prepare for each game.
1: Um, usually for me, um, if the speaker's not going in the locker room, it's headset on, cranked all the way up, listening to music just to get myself in the right mindset. I try to tune everything out, um, you know, whether it be school or whatever. I, I cut it all out, and it's all lacrosse at that point, and I'm just trying to get dialed in on the game and doing focusing on being the best player that I physically can be on the field
0: outside of music is there something that you have to do in your pregame routine your ritual or anything or
1: well I I do I do a couple things like I get my wrists taped before the game I with the way when I put on like my my leggings and my socks I always do it the same fashion and mm-hmm. I always feel like if I do it any other way I th- I'm my, I'm kind of thrown off yep so I got to keep that tradition going that creature of habit yeah. and
0: just you, you don't want to get yourself out of that mindset even before you get onto the field yeah. so then when you're on uh when you're doing warm-ups i guess what's sort of your routine in that and how do you make sure you're fully prepared for the game before it starts
1: uh well one thing that i like to do is when we're in when we're in warm-ups and we're shooting around if someone hits a good shot i like to get loud mm-hmm. because th- when you're loud your teammates around you get loud and the energy gets brought up and that's and i that's what a, i feed off of is everybody else's energy so if my energy's up, and then they all energy's up. I feel like it's we're, we're starting off on a good foot.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier you feel like you guys are starting to put things together to play some of your best games since you've been here at least. Mm-hmm. What do you think has fed into that growth of the program?
1: Uh, I think it's um, really this, this freshman class that came in this year. Um, they bought in. And that's one of the things that, that we need as, as is this team is we need the players here to, to buy in, to listen to coach, to listen to their upperclassmen, because they know what they're talking about. Um, and all the freshmen this year that we may have starting or, or whatnot, they, they've bought in and
0: they've they're doing the systems correct, which is what we need. So with that, is part of that a leadership from team within or what do you think has made the biggest difference um, across the line? I think it's th- I think
1: it's the the leadership above them because um, we have a senior in the midfield, a senior on defense, and upperclassmen on the attack, um, and what they're seeing is is the skill level that those players bring, and they want to match that, and they want to be able to get to that point in their li- in their careers here,
0: so. You are obviously, as a captain, you've had, most have had some really good role models at the team. Uh looking to you as a captain, as a sophomore. Um, who have been some of those people who have played an influential mark uh, or role in a- your life um, to help you be the leader that you are today? Um,
1: well, the two, two that come up immediately are my parents. My mom, um, she has, she's done everything for us. She, she really um, provides for us. She's a great role model for anybody, I think, to personally look up to. And then same with my dad. He played both hockey. He played hockey and mainly soccer. I never played soccer. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was a a fantastic hockey player. He was a captain in high school at Avon Old Farms when he played there and in college. um, And I take that as like a role model to look up to. And then same with my uh, high school lacrosse coach. He's well, he's been a lacrosse coach at the high school for a very long time. And he knows how to get it done and he knows how to win. Um, and it's it's all business when you're on the field, and that's mm-hmm. what I like, and that's what I try to take off, um, look up to when I'm on the field. Is none of the uh, outside stuff. Focus on the game at hand.
0: And is that something you think the team has struggled with in the past, and has now finally entered the the field with the right mindset of you know what we're going to turn everything off, and we're just going to focus on ourselves, focus on our brotherhood, and go from there. I think so. I mean. Obviously, when we're doing, like, stretching, we're all
1: poking fun at each other, and I think in the past, it may have been harder to flip the switch to focus on, mm-hmm. but I think now as we get these players in the, the freshman classes that come up, it's it's getting a lot easier to flip the switch and focus on the task at hand.
0: So, you mentioned physical therapy earlier, that's what you are wanting to do, that's ob- obviously your ultimate career goal, um, you have a couple years left, I guess, when you graduate, what's your plan, or what's your idea for that, um, in terms of life after college um
1: my ideal working environment when i graduate i would i would i really want to work with athletes mm-hmm. um getting because they get injured and i want to get them back to the sport that they love that they that they love to do every day um and then eventually down down the line years to come uh, i would have ov- i would love to open up my own practice
0: okay and focusing more on the sport specific
1: it, that's that's the that's the goal obviously it doesn't not not, uh, not everything ends up how you want it but that if if ideally that's what i would like to do
0: now obviously as a former athlete i've been to physical therapy i know what it's like to have to rebuild different aspects um physically is that something i know the ones who i went to focus a lot more in baseball basketball would you focus or would want to focus more on a lacrosse background or just a certain type of injury rehab or what are you thinking
1: uh i don't th- i don't know if I would focus mainly on lacrosse um, only because in the grand scheme of things, it's still kind of a smaller sport. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, it's growing rapidly every day, but it's kind of a smaller sport compared to the other ones in this country. Um, I think I would just try to focus more on because athletes have a a fantastic work ethic um, and I just want to be able to work with them get them in and out in shortest time as possible and get them back on the field as Mm -hmm. to what they want. I don't think I would focus on a specific sport per se, Mm -hmm. um, but that's what I would like to do.
0: Well, as we wrap up here, I do have one last question. It's the same question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. And that question is, what moment in life has influenced you the most? Um, I would say
1: what influenced me the most is when I broke my ankle in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because it ended that year for me for hockey. Uh, I had to get two surgeries and go through physical therapy, which is the reason why I I chose physical therapy. but I had to go through a lot of adversity, a lot of, uh, mental, mental toughness. I had to check myself mentally because it's, it's hard when you're playing a sport that you love and you now you have to sit and I missed probably 75% of the year because of the surgery I had to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but it made me focus on, on that mental toughness and going to physical therapy to get back as fast as I could. Cause all I wanted to do was get back out there on the ice with, with my friends. Um, and that's what led me down this, this, down this path because I saw the, the passion that my physical therapist had.
0: And that's what I want to do for, for people in, in my future as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Rusty. I appreciate you taking in some time uh, out of your day. And uh, good luck this weekend when you guys take on Adelphi. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You guys are starting your season off this weekend down in Florida. A nice little trip. uh, Get some sunshine. I mean, I know it's today, uh, which is Tuesday. We have 60 degrees here in Springfield, but I'm sure the weather's a little bit better down in Florida.
2: Yeah, and a little more humid too, I'm (laughs) sure.
0: So you guys kick off the season Saturday against Felician at 130, and then you play again at 345 against Bloomfield. But before we get to those opponents, talk a little bit about how you guys have come together this year as a team to really prepare for the start of your season.
2: Yeah, so I think we have a lot of good talent this year and a lot of depth in every position, which I think is going to benefit us greatly because not one person is the best for every position. Everyone's fighting for a spot every single day, mm-hmm. and I think that just makes us better as a team in general.
0: So you have a couple returners. Talk a little bit about them, uh, you being one of them, obviously, and what you're expecting from your returners.
2: So I think Casey Allison is a big returner for us, um, both um, in the pitching circle at first base and in the lineup, um, as well as um, senior Lydia Depina, mm-hmm. who is a leader um, both vocally and in the field as well in the outfield as she's in center.
0: Uh, so then you have a couple of newcomers, some people who we haven't seen yet play. Um, who are you probably the most excited to for in terms of what they're going to bring to uh, the team, whether in the field at the plate or just from a leadership excitement standpoint.
2: So I think Alexis is going to bring Alexis w- Jimenez. Okay. I think she's going to bring a lot to the team. She's mm-hmm. a dominant pitcher in the circle and just an overall athletic person. She can hit the crap out of the ball and if coach wanted to put her anywhere in the field she could play it.
0: So sort of be two arms going, Casey and her? Is what you're thinking from a player standpoint. I know you obviously don't make the decision from, for uh, for coach, but I mean, what have you seen?
2: So I think that we have well we have six pitchers this year. So I don't think it's going to be any one arm we're going to rely on. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a lot of any given day because obviously pitchers have better days in the circle than others. So it's really going to depend on that and against our opponent, obviously too.
0: So then, obviously four a dis- Big business trip that you guys have, but you guys also have the opportunity to really uh, calm down, I guess, a little bit, relax at spring break so you're not going to classes, which is nice. Mm-hmm. You're in the nice sun, you have the beach, um, but at the same time, it, it's an opportunity for you guys to come together as a team and get that bonding. What's that mean for you, uh, especially being a leader, one of the older upperclassmen on the team, um, to really have that time to bond down and forward it before you begin your conference schedule?
2: Yeah, so I think going down there, uh, we have the housing where there's two houses of the team. And we usually do dinners different nights at Mm -hmm. the two players' houses and then the coaches' houses and then we do one with the parents. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a lot of good team bonding and quality time that we don't necessarily get up here because our schedules are so busy. But we can actually focus more down there. And although a lot of parents and stuff do go down, there still is that time for team, Mm -hmm. which we play 12 games down there so we are together a majority of the time (laughs) we are there
0: so then looking ahead Felician and Bloomfield uh your first two opponents have you guys started looking at them or what's been the game plan to prepare for this weekend
2: so Felician, we actually played in the fall which we competed well against them and I think that based off the work that we've put in that it will be a good contest but I believe we will pull out the win Mm
3: -hmm. and then
2: Bloomfield, we have not played in the past, but I believe that we will also do very well against them, and one of our former players that went here, Brittany Guzman, actually plays for them, so we'll get to see her down there.
0: Awesome. Um, So then after that, you guys have a couple um, out-of-region opponents. It looks like the rest of your time down there, you have Slippery Rock and Gwynville State, uh, Stack, uh, who's a conference opponent, or a region opponent, excuse me. Westchester, Pitts, Johnstown, Lock Haven, New York Tech, Southwest Minnesota State, Fair State, and then round out with Jefferson. So a lot of games. I know you mentioned twelve games compacted mm-hmm. into those days. Uh, but what's it like playing against other teams from different parts of the country?
2: It gives us a feel of the different talents we face. The mm-hmm. different, especially pitching wise, the different speeds, spins, uh, and just overall competitiveness. And I think it's a good time for us to to explore our options and see what's going to work when we come back up north for the regular season, um, like pitching rotation-wise, uh, who who was in the field, mm-hmm. and just things of that general sense.
0: So you guys have that awesome Florida trip. Uh, Coach Tolentino, she's in her second year with the program. Have you, especially since you were with the old uh, coaches, um, have you seen a shift in terms of the team and, buying into what she's uh, trying to make the culture be with that program?
2: Yeah, I think we are starting to come together more as a team. Um, We've been meeting with the sports psychologist weekly as well, which I think has helped. She's also been very keen on finding what our team culture is going Mm -hmm. into the season and finding that commonality of what we want to achieve.
0: So let's switch gears a little bit. I want to get to know you. That's really the point of this podcast. Uh, And my first question is how did, or when did you get your start in softball? And um, I guess take me through uh, when you started softball to you graduating high school.
2: Yeah, so I played baseball up until I was in eighth grade. And that's when I made the switch over to softball. Mm -hmm. So I played rec league for two to three years from that point, and then I began playing AAU. I played for the New England Firebirds for two years, and then my last two years that I was able to play AAU, I played for the Bay State Blaze.
0: Okay, so then uh, what was your motivation for picking up softball and making that, I guess, really a primary sport for you?
2: So I primarily played softball and basketball growing up, mm-hmm. but softball I had that more grit and determination for. Basketball was more my fun competitive competitiveness side. Mm-hmm. So softball really... Brought out that love for the game for me. Mm-hmm.
0: So, was there a parent who had played softball or baseball or something, or what was it? Just they enrolled you in softball and you just took a loving to it.
2: So, my dad really pushed me to get into sports, but I definitely got my athletic ability from my like grandfather, mm-hmm. not my mom. <laughs> love her to death, but she did not have that <laughs> athletic ability. So yeah, it was mainly my grandfather, where, and my dad as well, but he was more with me like every day putting in the work.
0: So then at what point did you realize, you know what, I could go to school um, and play softball at the next level, at the collegiate level. Uh, was there a point that really clicked in your mind of that's what you wanted to do and that's what you set out to do?
2: So my sophomore year is when I kind of took a step back and realized that I could go on to the next level, but I did dragged my feet for a little while on it I'm not gonna lie so my junior year that towards the end of my junior year before senior year is when I really um, started looking
0: Mm -hmm. and then how did AIC jump out and I guess what ultimately made your decision to come to AIC the one that you knew you were going to make
2: so it was the summer going into my senior year and I was at a like a skills camp in Lowell when Mm -hmm. I met Coach Dudek at the time and she also had some of the players there with her and I just got into talking with her and learning more about the school because I had never heard of it and it kind of went from there and at the time I also was a looking to be a physical therapy major and that was offered here in the six-year program so that was very appealing as a senior in high school so that's ultimately why I did decide to come here.
0: So then you get to AIC did you do a campus visit before you uh, committed or before you stepped on campus for the semester?
2: Yes, I did a recruiting visit where I stayed overnight, and that kind of is what sold me mm-hmm. because of how the team was at the time and just how welcoming. And I liked the close-knit community because I went to a smaller high school as well, mm-hmm. so I didn't want to go too big. But definitely once I came here, it was a good like culture shock mm-hmm. and definitely broadened my views on a lot of different aspects of life.
0: So you get on campus, you start to feel more acclimated um, to campus. I guess, was there a person or a teammate um, or someone who wasn't on the team uh, that really you connected with right away and started making those friendships? Um, Obviously, your team plays a big role in that. And building that culture, that team community, is that what was your biggest, I'm trying to think of the right word I'm looking for here. Was that your biggest connection point when you got to AIC?
2: Uh, Yeah, I'd say so. someone that I've gone along this whole journey with is former teammate and now volunteer assistant coach, Kaylee Kemp. So we've been together since the jump, since the first day. We were both roomed with field hockey players, so we were just always together. And we've obviously gone through ups and downs, but it's always been us at the end of the day.
0: So... Talk a little bit about what you're studying now, obviously hoping to be graduating here uh, in the near future. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're studying and then what your plan is for after school.
2: Yeah, so I just graduated in May with my bachelor's in health sciences. I intended on being a physical therapist, but I realized that it wasn't what I wanted to do with my life at the time. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't the timing and it wasn't. I didn't have the drive for it. Yep. So I'm currently getting my master's in business administration and after graduation this May I'm going to like begin job sur- job searching and I'm looking to go into health administration or something along those lines in the health field.
0: Nice. So if you could have one job I guess what's your ideal or dream job that you would love to have?
2: I honestly don't know. Hmm. That's a good question. Gets your brain thinking.
0: It does. I mean I d- like for me um and i've shared this with other people but for me my personal goal is athletic director that's mm-hmm. always something that i've been interested in and wanted to pursue and um obviously i know as you just mentioned that you changed your focus a little bit more when you found out what that your passion didn't lie with with physical therapy and now mm-hmm. you're doing that course reroute because you're trying to find what you want to do mm-hmm. um so i think it's interesting that but uh you'll have to get back to me on that one yes i'm curious I will. to hear <laughs> um so I guess rounding out this conversation, I'm going to ask you the one question that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, and that is, what moment in life has influenced you the
2: most? So I think I'll go more recently, what influenced me a lot and what made me realize that I wasn't ready to give up the game of softball yet was getting hurt last year, Mm -hmm. um, the first game of my senior year down in Florida. And just having it ripped from you in that moment, through all the trials and tribulations, As much as I may hate waking up early or putting in all those hours, I just wasn't ready to give up the competitive edge of me. I know there's always softball after college, but nothing will beat the college atmosphere of sports and the competitiveness you have to bring with it.
0: Awesome. Well, I think it's definitely a telling sign. Um, We have had lots of people on this podcast who have gone with, moments in life that have been more challenging than others and really I think it shows a um, type of personality that we have at AIC the people who are um, able to take the challenges and really flip that into a positive and really use that as more motivation and at the same time um, dedication to what you're doing
2: Mm -hmm, definitely
0: so thank you so much for joining me and uh, good (laughs) luck this weekend uh, down in Florida thank
2: you It was a pleasure to be here
0: And our final guest of the day is head athletic trainer, John Culp. Thank you for joining me, John. You're welcome. Happy to be here. So you are probably one of the most underrated staff members, in my opinion, and your group of um, workers keep our athletes healthy uh, day in and day out. And with it being National Athletic Training Month, we like to take a moment to A, say thank you for everything that you do for our student athletes, but also want to get to know you a little bit more as you head up our athletic training staff.
3: Thank you (laughs) it's actually a a group effort all of our staff pitch in and help out with all of our athletes um, not just the teams are assigned to work with so uh, we appreciate the thanks though.
0: So as a governing body I think y'all's body actually does a good job of bringing awareness to athletic training and making sure you guys are recognized at least this one month even though you guys deserve the credit much more than that. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what you guys do on a day-to-day basis with working with our student-athletes here at ASC?
3: Sure (coughs) so we generally are here uh, the majority of the day to cover any practices that are underway um, on campus as well as off campus. (coughs) Um, (coughs) In the morning we primarily again are covering practices or seeing athletes for evaluation and treatment of an Mm -hmm. injury that may have occurred the previous day um, or earlier in the week um, and making decisions about what to do to uh, manage that, that injury or that problem. Um, as well as doing rehab mostly in the morning and in early afternoon. Um, so we're seeing athletes who um, <coughs> have, ha- who have a m- maybe a, a minor problem that needs some, some extra attention um, or maybe a problem that's been seen by the team physician or mm-hmm. someone else, who and they've ordered us to um, you know, do certain exercises, rehab with the athletes, or post-op patients, patients who have had surgery and now they're back on campus, and getting treatment and doing rehab again, that could be a short-term thing or up to months um, mm-hmm. of work. So that's going on mostly the morning afternoons. <coughs> again, if we have contests, they're probably going to be in the afternoon or evening. So we may have staff that are covering home contests or on the road with teams, depending on um, um, who, who that or which that team um, is, is on the road that day. Um, and then again in the evenings. Many practices are continuing into the evenings, so there's usually still staff here mm-hmm. um, until everything is finished. So, depending on the time of year, you know, a typical day could be 5:30 a.m. to 10 something um, that we're open and available for access by the athletes. Um, you know, not every day is that that busy, but yep. um, but there are many days that are that busy. So, how many full-time staff mm-hmm. members do you guys have currently? Including yeah. myself, there are six full-time um, certified athletic trainers. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, employed by AAC, um, mm-hmm. we just had a new staff member um, start yesterday um, to replace someone who left in the fall. So we're happy to be back at full strength.
0: So with that, you obviously <coughs> have six different people uh, rotating throughout the different times of the day. Um, how does the scheduling come into it? With I mean, I'm sure you have practices starting as early as five thirty-six in the morning, uh, but always or going as late as 10, 11, in some cases. How do you find that balance of scheduling the athletic trainers?
3: <coughs> it is not an easy ch- uh, challenge <laughs> to overcome, uh, but when possible we want, uh, so so each athletic trainer is assigned to work with specific teams. Mm-hmm. One that's b- much better care for our student athletes. There's more consistency. Um, they get to know them. They develop a rapport with the student athletes and the coaching staff. Excuse me. So <coughs> That's, I think, a good model that most people use. When, um, when possible, we try to have the athletic trainer who's assigned to work with a specific team to be present during their practices. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't always work that way. If, if someone's working with a team that's at the very beginning of the day and the end of the day, that's not very fair or yep. equitable. So we, we, we generally don't <laughs> abuse uh, staff too, too, too much in that respect. But, um, again, where possible, we want that. We want those folks dealing with those athletes. Mm -hmm. So then
0: the next factor in everything (coughs) um, comes down to games. And I know that that's something that we we have a weekly game management meeting uh, and a committee who comes together every Monday, talks about what's going on, and we discuss possible issues that could be coming up. I know you're always talking about scheduling and game competition, and that can definitely throw wrenches and things. So um, with spring break coming up, give us an example of how uh, you balance, I guess, the travel aspect of an athletic trainer with some programs uh, versus having
3: responsibilities still at home. Well, so um, some we don't travel with every team um, during the regular season. Um, we try to tab- travel with as many teams as we can. But, mm-hmm. again, if someone's on the road, are fewer staff here to take care of the rest of the athletic population so that that can be a challenge that we have to manage and (laughs) make sure that we're not leaving (laughs) ourselves to to understaff to be able to care for the folks that are still on campus Um, but teams that are you know if if a team um, is on the road and there is an athletic trainer assigned to go with them um, you know then they're going to come in they have to prep they have to get stuff ready before the team leaves and then they'll be on the road with the team until they return maybe Mm -hmm. that's just you know for an afternoon could be an overnight or in the case of spring break trips it's going to be multiple days that they're gone so they you know they'll have to pack extra supplies so that they have enough to cover the contests or practices that are going on um, you know while they're on the trip Um, same thing for postseason situation Um, you know if a team's going to be gone for a longer period of time it's a bit more challenging to make sure that you're prepared to deal with (laughs) whatever <laughs> unusual circumstances can develop on, on the road. And and, um, and that's a challenge every athletic trainer has to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think our folks do a, a pretty good job of trying to be on top of everything. So switching
0: gears a little bit, uh, the biggest point of this podcast is we want to get to know the people um, behind the student athletes, behind um, the ins and outs of everyday life here at AIC. And I guess my first question is what got you interested in athletic training in the
3: first, sp- in the first place? I was um, <coughs> not um, a good athlete in <laughs> high school, uh, um, surprise. Uh, um, and um, um, there was um, a physical education teacher, and he was also a football coach and a wrestling coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sort of um, at one point kind of talked about, um, well, you might want to think about you know, athletic training or, or um, you know, being a student manager or something like that so so i um um did a little investigating about what athletic training was um and again, this was many many <laughs> years ago, <laughs> decades uh, um, <laughs> so I did a little bit of investigating and it sounded intriguing um and at that time um Kramer Products, which is a big provider of sports medicine products, a mm-hmm. company that makes specific products for um athletic training and sports medicine um Um, provided um, summer camps training camps where high school students um, could go to and learn about the profession and basic skills Mm -hmm. um, you know some basic tech taping techniques and and first aid and those sorts of things and um, so I I found one that was um, in my home state of Ohio at the time I was you know in high school Mm -hmm. and um, um, luckily enough the um, the um, school um, the boosters agreed to pay for me to go to this oh, wow. thing so it's like a 3-day you know weekend kind of thing but you go you stay overnight and mm-hmm. you know it's it's like a camp you yep. know as if you're going to soccer camp Well, I'm going to athletic training camp um so um so so I did that that was my first sort of awareness and um, indoctrination into what athletic training was and mm-hmm. and I was hooked immediately um it was um you know I mean I always you know I- I- um Assumed that I would be doing something in the helping professions or the medical field. Um, you know, that was the focus of my high school course preparation, and and I found this, and um, again, I was hooked, and that's how I, I got l- started, and and um, been doing it ever since. I mean, that's the first I've ever heard of an athletic yeah. training camp, especially yeah. for high schoolers. T- to be honest, I don't even know. I don't know if they still do them. Um, uh, you know, there's certainly some high schools that actually have uh, um, you know pre-college curricula now mm-hmm. for you know, young k- people who are interested in medical professions or healthcare professions and athletic training is one of the ones that they learn about and, and um, you know, they can do you know, an, an in internship or whatever and, and learn more about it before they get to the college level. Yeah. Um, so then after you graduate high school, what was your next step and where did you go for your education? Uh, I um, went to Ohio Northern University which was um, a small, well, medium-sized Division III institution. Mm-hmm. Um, about, uh, I don't know, maybe 30 miles from home, okay. but I lived on campus, and, and um, um <coughs> it was a great experience. Um, I loved it. Um, I was a triple major, sports medicine, sport management, and health science. So and you had uh, no free time is what had you're saying. no free time. Um, well, we were on a quarter system in those days, <laughs> and so you could take a lot of classes. <laughs> Sounds uh, like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, um, you know, so you're, you're doing your clinical experiences while you're taking classes at the mm-hmm. undergraduate level. Um, and back in those days, you had to accrue a certain number of hours to, to be able to sit, when you were all done with your degree, to be able to sit for a board certification exam. Yep. Um, <coughs> so, um, again, had great experiences there. Worked with um, um, lots of great athletic trainers, other fellow students at the time. Um, and it did nothing but sort of... Um, increase my um, interest and desire to continue in the profession even more. So you graduated college, then graduated and college, and talks about your next steps and I guess how you ended up at AIC. Yep. I um, I uh, did some graduate work at LSU um, and was a um, a graduate assistant athletic trainer there. So
0: you must have been excited this um, past year for uh, I, I, yes, the national I, championship.
3: I you know was very um, very happy for them. <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, so I, I was there, but um, only for uh, less than well for about a year, mm-hmm. and decided that program wasn't what I wanted, um, and I really wanted to increase my knowledge of athletic training. So I went to um, University of Arizona I tr- um, for my gra- actually master's degree in an advanced practice athletic training education program. Okay. So um, I was in Tucson, Arizona for two years, primarily working at an inner city high school, mm-hmm. um, Catalina High School go Trojans <laughs> um, and um, um, it was interesting um, to say the least in a lot of ways um, um, our environment here and um, is is not that dissimilar um, hmm. you know, sort of from a um, space that we have to work out of and um, how crazy busy it is at times um, and the d- and the demographic the students um, in, in a lot of ways were very um, very similar um, it was um, it was a Eye opening experience um, after having been in a sort of um, controlled um, undergraduate experience. Um, okay. But very, um, very enlightening, um, very um, um, helpful to sort of grow as a young professional um, mm-hmm. and to feel more confident about my skills. Um, after that, um, I um, took a job in New Hampshire at New England College. Um, um, I there was someone who was working there who was my department chair at my undergrad, okay, and she knew I was graduating from um, Arizona, and they were needing an athletic trainer, and she encouraged me to apply, and so I did, and I interviewed, and they hired me. So, so that's I one. So I went from one side of the country to the other side and of the country. Not only
0: that, but you got the desert, and then you go yes. up here to the cold yes. and the snow.
3: Um, so, um, so, um, so I was at NEC um, for four years, um, and. Um, Again, kind of grew as a young professional. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a challenge to step into the role as a head athletic trainer, uh, coming right out of graduate school. But um, um, again, it was, um, it was it was it was an interesting experience, and, and I liked it there. I mean, it was um, you know the student athletes were great. It was very appreciative of everything that we did as a staff, um, and um, you know we got to sort of remodel the facility, and it was it was a good experience. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, worked a year at Plymouth State for someone who was on a sabbatical leave. Um, taught classes there, worked um, with a couple teams there and then um, moved on to Colby Sawyer College, uh, which is another small college in um, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was there for 13 years. Wore lots of different hats there. I was a program director for the educational program a couple years, uh, was an assistant athletic trainer and then the head athletic trainer. Um, so did lots of different things there um, and, and again, The athletes there, um, very appreciative of of what we did as a staff. And then um, I kind of felt like I needed some new challenges. Mm -hmm. um, And AIC has done nothing but provide challenges, (laughs) to say the least. Uh, So I I came to AIC, started in July of 2008, and um, have been here since, um, trying to gradually, slowly make some improvements and make things better for our student-athletes. And um, hopefully we've made a little bit of headway in that respect.
0: Well, I think that that speaks to, I guess, the culture here at AIC. There are obviously challenges no matter where you're at, but being willing to accept those challenges and try to make things better one day at a time, slowly but surely, um, obviously we know change does not happen overnight in uh, many places, and this is no exception to that. But um, I think, at least from my perspective and what I've seen and heard, you guys have done a fantastic job of doing that.
3: Well, it's again, we, we try. Um, it's, it's not always easy. It can be very frustrating at times, but again, I think our student-athletes um, do appreciate the service that we provide, the care that we provide, um, um, you know, the hours that we're here. Um, so um, I, I think the majority of them are very appreciative of what we do, and that makes it more rewarding mm-hmm. for us um, you know, as, a, as athletic trainers.
0: So I know this next question. You don't have lots of time for this next question, um, but you spend a lot of time here. You go home, you sleep. When you do have some free time, I know that you probably take advantage of that quite a bit. Some personal health and, uh, however, you de-stress. But what are some hobbies or things that you like to do when you actually do have free time?
3: Um, yeah. So a little bit of free time that you know. Certainly, certainly during the school year, it's just it's go go go. Um, but um, some people know I'm a pretty avid blackjack player, so hmm. um, so uh, I, I do visit the uh, area casinos uh, randomly on a you know on a semi-regular basis. Um,
0: so MGM opening downtown uh, was was a good and a bad thing for you. It,
3: correct. Yes. Um, I, I will say though, it was probably open for about nine months before I went. So I, I well, is that, that just be because of the time co- that they yes, open? Correct. Yes, <laughs> it was because I didn't have the opportunity <laughs> to get in there sooner than that, but um but yeah so you know so that you know um the majority of my family still live in ohio so mm-hmm. i certainly try to <coughs> you know get back there periodically to visit them nieces um see how they're doing uh, but yeah that's um yeah not a lot of free time
0: well we're coming up uh on the end of our time and i appreciate you taking this time but there is one question that i do ask every person who comes uh on this podcast and that question is what moment in life has influenced
3: you the most that's a very good question <coughs> um i um, um don't want to be a downer here but no um, you're good um as a young child uh, my father was killed in a drunk driving accident um and so um, i had um so that was a challenge you know, mm-hmm. not um, not to grow up with a dad. Um, but I had lots of folks that stepped into that role and uncles, grandfather, um, stepfather, lots of folks who stepped into that role helped me sort of grow into who I am. And so, um, you know, it was a, a, <coughs> a challenging um, experience, um, but I think um, one that helped me grow and to become a better man than I am today.
0: Well, uh, and your story is not too far off from other people who have come on and shared some challenges and struggles um, but the thing that I find the most resilient about uh, you and other people who have these stories is to be able to take a negative and turn it into a positive and something that helps influence you not only in that moment but also down the line and really uses use that as a tool to
3: further yourself and the people around you. Well, it's been um, a, a growth experience every day though on the job like you learn something new and that's uh, that's just you know that's can be a little bit of a cliche but I'm telling you that's that's definitely true of my profession um, I you know not a day goes by that I don't read something or learn something new or interact with somebody and learn something about the world that I didn't know before so it's very rewarding
0: well thank you so much for joining us and happy National Athletic Trainers Month and uh, we want to th- once again say thank you to you and all your staff Uh, for everything that you do for our student-athletes and our department and the university as well.
3: Okay. Thanks. It was happy to be here.
0: And that will do it for this week's edition of the Yellow Jacket Experience. Busy week for the Yellow Jackets. On Wednesday, March 4th, Women's Lacrosse will take on the College of St. Rose at 5 p.m. On Friday, March 6th, the baseball team will open up their Florida trip against Nova Southeastern and Stonehill College. On Saturday the 7th, Women's Across and Men's Across will host a doubleheader. The women will take on Post at 1 p.m. Men will take on Adelphi at 4 p.m. While Softball opens their Spring Break trip down in Florida. While you're at it, go ahead and hit subscribe in whatever podcast app you use and share us with your friends and family. We hope you join us next week for the Yellow Jacket Experience.